Well, good morning. If you're a guest, we're certainly glad you've come to be with us. And as John has said, we've been in this two-part series where we're thinking about our logo. And we've said that really a logo stands for more than just a symbol. It, it points beyond itself to that organization. It points beyond itself to something greater. So when you're traveling down the road and you happen to see this symbol, you know it's not just a giant M. But as you're traveling down the road in your minivan and your kids start jumping up and down and getting all excited, they want a Happy Meal, and you know they want to go to the restaurant called McDonald's. That's exactly right. And you know that symbol points to McDonald's. Or if you're driving down the road and you happen to see this symbol, you know that it's not just a three-point symbol with a circle around it. You know that points to a finely tuned German automobile that's way out of your price range, but you would secretly love to drive. It's, it represents what? A Mercedes-Benz. That's exactly right. That is associated with that company. And so when you see this symbol, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's College Hills Church of Christ. And as we'll talk in just a moment, it's more than just a C and an H with a circle around it. it, it points to something greater than that particular symbol. Now, it's fascinating to me that the very first verse in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Greek word for word, in the beginning was the Word, is the Greek word logos. And so when you hear the word logos, it sounds an awful lot like logo. In fact, we got our English word logo from that Greek word logos. And and you know, when you're reading that verse and Jesus is described as the the word, that, that really the person of Jesus points to something even greater. Jesus wasn't just a man who lived on this earth. He was God come in the flesh. And the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 in describing Jesus says the Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. There's a sense in which you could say that Jesus is the logo of God. When we see Jesus, we see more than a man, we see God come in the flesh. And so when you see that image, as John has pointed out, it means a lot of things. The sea, for instance, it it points to our past. We began as a church in 1836. We were College Street, at one point Christian Church. Um, Then we became College Street Church of Christ. And, And it's a wonderful past. As we think about our past, we think about all the incredible ministry that we were involved in. Uh, We are a church that became a grace-oriented church. We became a church that offered men and women second chances. If you needed a do-over, this is the place where you came. Uh, We were a church that that pioneered recovery ministries. We were a place where if you were struggling in some sort of addiction, you could come here and you would hear the gospel and be embraced. We have a beautiful past. We were involved in all sorts of community-impacting ministries. But the H, college hills well that points to our future and so just a few years ago in 2003 we moved into this very beautiful facility many of you were involved in that process to move from from college street to college hills and this facility is used 
in so many ways all throughout the week. And we are a church now that that's striving to develop a discipleship culture. Oh, we've been doing discipleship for a long time, but I think we're more focused now than ever about how do we help people, men and women, become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We're developing a, a worship culture. We're a, a church that now understands, though we've always prayed, I think we're focusing more and more on understanding that God moves and, and really the secret to a thriving church is a church that learns to pray. We want to embrace the best of our past. We've always been a church that's focused on reaching and blessing the community. We want to keep doing that as we move into the future, but this congregation has a bright future. And the H kind of points to that. And as we've said before, as John pointed out a moment ago, if you look carefully, you'll see the C and H, they're, they're connected. And that's intentional because we want folks to understand that we have a connection with God because of what Jesus has done. And then we have a connection with, with one another, that we're family. Relationships are very important. And so we've, we've we, uh, as we look at that, we come to understand that it means so much to us. But there's one other element that we really want to talk about today. And that is you'll notice that the C and the H, there's a circle around it. So not only are we connected, we're a church that's encircled. We're encircled by God and God's people. And we want to talk about that for just a, a few moments today. And so that brings us to a sermon that was preached in the New Testament. It's probably the closest thing we have to a sermon in your entire New Testament. It's one book of the Bible. And as this preacher is addressing these men and women, he's addressing folks who are struggling. The image he uses for these folks he's preaching to is their, their hands are limp down beside. Their hands aren't lifted up in praise to God. Their hands are limp beside. Their knees are, are buckling. This is a tired church. This is a discouraged church. And the more I read this sermon, the more I think this sermon could be preached to us today during this pandemic. Because if we're honest, we're a little tired, we can be a little discouraged, we kind of want things to go back to some sense of normalcy, and about the time we think we're getting some sense of normalcy, you know, we hear about a spike in COVID and things aren't, aren't so normal, and so we struggle. And what the Hebrew writer does is he encourages them I've already given it away. The sermon I'm talking about is the book of Hebrews. The Hebrew writer uses the word better. He's reminding them. He says, I don't want you to go back to how things were. Oh, you have a bright future. You have better promises, he says. You have, have a better hope. You have a better sacrifice. And you have all of that because Jesus is the better promise. Jesus offers the better hope. Jesus is the better sacrifice. And then at the heart of this sermon, in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, he presents this beautiful image. It's like they're running a race, and they're tired and discouraged, and the Hebrew writer takes his arm and he points at the Colosseum. Look around, he says. Look around at all the people. And, and as they're in the midst of the race, they, they look up in the stands, and they see these great men and women of faith. There's Abraham and there's Noah and there's Moses and on and on. Some names we don't even, don't even really know very well. But he, he says, look up in the stands. And, and as you do, these great men and women of faith are on their feet. And they're applauding. And they're cheering. What the Hebrew writer is saying is you are encircled. 
look up at the great cloud of witnesses who are all around you. You're not running this race by yourself. You're not running it alone. You've got brothers and sisters, past and present, who are encouraging you. I like how Eugene Peterson paraphrases the first three verses in Hebrews 12. And here's, what, here's how he paraphrases the verse. It'll be on the screen. He says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. And so we're not alone. We're surrounded by God's people, but we're surrounded also by, by God. And we want to talk about that for just a moment today. So I want to invite uh, two of our other ministers, uh, Wilson and Hope, up on stage. And we want to have a conversation about what it means to be surrounded what it means to, to know that we're not in this race alone, that we're surrounded by God's power, and we're surrounded by God's love. And so, Wilson, talk to us a little bit about what it means to be surrounded by, by God's power. Yeah, one of the uh, earliest memories I have of, of College Hills uh, happened in June of 2011. Uh, in June 2011 is when I transitioned from a year-long residency into a full-time role, the role I continue to serve in today. And I often think about that Sunday in June uh, because it stands as, as this symbol for the kind of church that I had grown to know over that year and have continued to grow to know over the last nine years. Because in that service, Kevin preached and invited me up to these front steps here. But he didn't just invite me, he invited all of the leaders of this church, elders and ministers, to come and join me. But they didn't just join me, they also encircled me. They gathered around me and they laid hands on me and they prayed over me. And that image always resonates with me because it wasn't just an image that I saw, it was an image I felt. I felt that weight of responsibility to serve and love this church. But it was also this reminder to me in a very tangible way of what prayer really is, that prayer is this means by which we encircle one another, we encircle ourselves, and we encircle others in the power of God, that prayer is a way that we tap into God's power and grow an awareness of it. Prayer is this way that we encircle ourselves and each other. Uh, and there's this beautiful passage in Ephesians that Paul writes where he combines these themes of prayer and the power of God in a really beautiful way. He writes this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is work within all of us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There's two things about this passage that I often remind myself of as we strive to be this church who wants to be a prayerful church, a church that encircles ourselves and one another with prayer. And the first is, is that it's significant to me that, that Paul uses prayer in order to share the power of God with others. That Paul acknowledges that the power of God is not this limited, finite resource that will eventually run out, and so he needs to hoard up that power as much as possible. But instead, he uses prayer to freely share that with others, to create this community in Ephesus that is saturated in the power and presence of God. And that's one of the things that we should remember as we are prayerful people, that, that we are sharing the power of God with and for others so that we are a community that's saturated in prayer and in God's power. And the second thing that sticks out to me is the fact that the power of God is connected to the love of God. That if you pay attention to the trajectory of this prayer, that Paul's end game is the love of God. He, he talks about how wide and high and deep and long this love is. He encircles them with this language to remind them that God's love surrounds them wherever they go. Again, the power of God is not just for us, but for others. And for others, we want not just power, but them to experience the love of God. And so as you and I try to understand the kind of church that we're called to be, we know in our heart of hearts that, yes, we're supposed to be prayerful people, but this passage reminds us of why. That prayer is this means by which we encircle one another and that we freely share those prayers and that power with others so that all people will know how generous and rich and glorious God's love is for them. That's something that I've experienced personally, like I've said, but many of you have experienced that as well. And we want to show you just one video of, of someone who has personally experienced this as well at our church. I'm Jim McDowell, and many of you know my dad, Jimmy McDowell. If you don't, he's the guy that's uh, worn tracksuits to church for probably the last 20 years. Um, but two of the uh, sweetest ladies that you may not know had a huge impact on my dad's life, uh, Miss Jane Hundley and my aunt Marilyn Smith. Um, close to 40 years ago at a time when my dad um, was going through some rough times in his life. Uh, my aunt Marilyn uh, reached out to Jane Hundley and really uh, they got together and, and, and prayed um, very intensely and significantly for my dad and for him to, to uh, open his heart to, uh, to the Lord and to uh, make some better decisions with his life. 
and uh, he believes, and I've come to believe that because of uh, their prayers, um, he, he has made a significant, significant change. And that change uh, over 40 years ago uh, has had a tremendous um, impact on uh, countless lives um, over the course of the number of people that I've seen my dad help in, in numerous ways um, from a lot of the different scenarios and situations that he's dealt with. Um, I'm sure that myself and my sister may not be here if that hadn't happened. And uh, obviously the, our families and, and our kids. And so it's, it's amazing the power of God and the power of prayer and uh, that two um, women in this College Hills family and the impact that it has had on a uh, long line of people here in this community. We're surrounded by God's people. We're surrounded by God's power. Hope, talk to us a little bit about, uh, a little bit about what it means to be surrounded by God's love. Um, so one of my favorite verses in the Bible um, that talks about God's love is 1 John 4, 16 and 18, and it says this. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. To me, these verses are a promise that if we can live in love, a love that was demonstrated to us by Jesus as he served here on earth, then God will live within us and he will encircle us with his perfect love. This promise doesn't mean that our lives are going to be full of sunshine and roses and skittles at the end of every rainbow. That's not realistic, and it's not going to happen. This world is full of sorrow and pain and disappointment, and these things are just inevitable because of our fallen world. The promise that's made in this verse, though, is that God will not leave us during those disappointing and difficult times. He's going to encircle us and fill us with his perfect love. A perfect love that will drive out all of our fear. Because of his perfect love for us, he can still use us for his glory in the midst of all of our pain and our suffering. I know I'm not alone when I say that this year has been a tedious journey on the struggle bus. This year has not turned out anything like we had hoped when we rang in the new year in January. But God has never stopped loving us. He's never stopped pushing us forward. He has been alive and working in this church for the past 184 years, and that did not stop in 2020 because of a pandemic. He is continuing to allow this church, College Hills, to be a place for his beauty and his glory to shine. A place where fruit can grow and flourish. We have had so many instances of people's faith, flir 
faith flourishing in the midst of the pain right now. We have had numerous baptisms of kids and teenagers and adults here at College Hills just over the past six months. We have built Habitat House. We've given out food to those in our community that needs it. We've helped people pay their bills when they've lost their jobs or they just don't have enough to meet at the end of the month. God has not stopped working in our community. He has encircled us with his love, even now. The outside world is filled with insanity. There is hatred and there is malice and there is so much bad out there that we can sometimes become blind to the love that God has for us. God's love has not left us and as followers of Christ, we have a promise in him that if we can live a life that glorifies him, that we can live a life that is showing his love to others, a love that doesn't care about how different somebody is than us, that we can love them the way that Jesus taught us to love others, then God will live in us, that his love will rest inside of us. And that is confidence. We get to experience the confidence and the rest of his perfect love. Our church has had many opportunities to encircle families in the community and within our church in love. And one of um, the best examples that we have, I think, is in this video coming up with the Whitlock family. Hi, we're the Whitlocks, and this is Maddie. And Maddie is special because at two months old, uh, she had surgery for a rare liver disease called biliary atresia. And at seven months old, uh, she had her first, or she had her liver transplant uh, October of 2015. So during this time, it was a very trying time, obviously, for our family. We were, she was in and out of the hospital for um, about five or six months until she got her liver transplant. but. Um, throughout that time, College Hills offered prayers, their love, their support. We had multiple visits at the hospital. People brought us food. Um, the children's classes made a prayer chain for her that we put around her crib. And, of course, with Maddie's dash, it was a, a huge fundraiser, a 5K, that they raised um, thousands of dollars to help with Maddie's medical team. And Looking back over that time, had it not been for College Hills family, I, we, we just don't know how we would have made it through that time. Their love and support really helped us through that challenging time and we will always be grateful for what they did for our family. What a great story. I still remember uh, when the Whitlocks were struggling and how our church just came together to surround them in, in love and support and I appreciate all those all those powerful stories and you have a powerful story as well that you could share about how you've experienced both the power of God as as you were surrounded in prayer and as you experienced the amazing love of God as as we had relationships with one another and you were blessed in tangible ways one of the beauties of the gospel is that because of what Jesus has done for us we can experience connection with God and connection 
with Jesus. And then we're encircled by God's people, by God's power, by God's love. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, and as John began our, our service earlier today, he mentioned how that phrase in Christ is used all over the place, especially in books like Ephesians, but it's also in 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation is come. Behold, all things are new, he says. And so my question for you today is, are you in Christ? Have you made that decision to respond to the love of God? God's arms are wide open for every one of us. He invites all of us into a relationship with himself. And if we'll turn from our old way of life, that, that way of life that leads to death and meaninglessness, if we'll turn from that old way of life and turn to Jesus in simple, as the old preacher used to say, trusting faith, if we'll respond to him in faith, if, we're, if we'll be immersed in Jesus' name, then understand our sins are washed away. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're encircled by God and God's people. One of the most beautiful traditions we have is after somebody is baptized, they'll, they'll come up out of the water and there'll be a big applause. And then a lot of times after they put, you know, get dried and put their clothes back, uh, street clothes back on, we'll come out here and what will we do? We'll encircle them in prayer because we're welcoming them into the family. Today, if you have a need we can help you with, we'll have an elder in back, I believe, and I'll be down front. Uh, we would love to help you in any way that we can. Come as you stand and sing.